Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. Good evening, church. My name is Josh. My pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm on the spiritual care team here at Galileo. Tonight, we begin a new worship series, Galileo, Tomorrow, and Tomorrow, and Tomorrow. The series leads us right up to Pentecost, and maybe more importantly, this year, our 10th birthday. Preachers and worship architects from across Galileo's 10 years will help us to imagine what our future as a church may look like. Be it in another 10 years from now, 127 years from now, or all the way at the end of the world. Tonight, finally, I'm preaching to you in person for the first time, six years and six sermons in. Church, I am so damn excited to be with y'all tonight and preaching from one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 to 15. We're looking at Galileo 40 years from now, when this church is a half century old, and many of us are a great deal older than that. I hope in these words, you find your own old person voice speaking back to you where you are now. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. God has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, God has put a sense of past and future into their minds. Yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of their toil. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done this so that all should stand in awe before God. That which is already has been, that which is to be already is. And God seeks out what has gone by. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Forty years seems like a long time to me. I've not yet been on this earth for 40 years. 
And even in this time, so much has changed. I am a gay man who was born during the worst of the AIDS epidemic. In 1985, HIV claimed 8,406 lives, most of them queer men. In the 40 years since, HIV-related deaths have dropped by 90%, thanks to advances in healthcare. 40 years turned a death sentence into a manageable condition. People with HIV now may yet live to see Galileo at 50. In 1985, that was beyond the realm of hope. With 40 more years, imagine what any one of us could do. We get to grow up and grow old. We get to go to our favorite restaurants and find new favorite music and watch our far-off dreams become something real. 40 years means even the youngest of us have time to have grandkids. And also, in all that time, we'll work and we'll work and we'll work day in and day out, year after year, generation after generation. The earth somehow remains, but we are gone. The very dust of the earth blown away in the lightest breeze. What is it that we're working for? Why are we expending all of this effort? Does anything get better? The narrator of Ecclesiastes, looking back at the end of a long life, sees all of this striving and calls it nothing more than a waste. Why do we keep trying to do more? Vanity of vanities, goes those famous first words. All is vanity. A little later on, he repeats the famous phrase with a new addition. All is vanity and a chasing after the wind. Life is a cloud or a puff of smoke when you blow out a candle. Or maybe the smell of baking bread that dissipates as the bread cools on the counter. What is all we do then but a flash in the pan, here one moment and gone in the blink of an eye? We can no more catch that cloud in a net or bottle up that smoke in a jar than slow down our lives and these moments as they whip past us. It is yet another new year with a new slate of transphobic legislation and more people spewing hatred than we care to name. Don't they ever get tired? We do. By the time we get to chapter three and today's passage, we, as readers, could be forgiven for thinking that the narrator might be a little nihilistic, raging against a world where nothing matters and everything is just eventually gone. Isn't that what he's saying? That which is already has been, he writes. That which is to be already is. There is nothing new under the sun. The narrator here is like that stereotypical old man standing on his porch, yelling at the kids to get off his lawn, to go make something better of their youth before it is gone, because surely it will be gone. Youth, he might say, is wasted on the young. He was young once, stood in someone else's yard once. He worshiped in a barn on the side of the interstate once. But the years turn as they do, 
And now here he is on this side of things. His porch, his lawn, his shouts that fall on unlistening ears. He wonders, are these young people wasting their lives? But the question is rarely the question. What he really wants to ask, what he fears is, did I waste mine? What have I done with my last 40 years? So we come to this passage with all the weight of time hanging heavy on his shoulders. Vanity of vanities, he wonders. Has my life been nothing but vanity? As we go through this passage, we are reminded that everything, yes, everything will pass. Planting, laughing, healing, loving, dancing, embracing, living. There is a time for all of it, and a time when all of it will pass away. And then what is left for us? What remains when these things are taken away? Tearing up, crying, killing, hating, mourning, separation, death. These things we know all too well. They take a toll on our spirits. The things we fear the most are the flip side of all the things we're striving for. We want more than anything for joy without sadness, happiness without grief, a life without dying. We hope in another year to find it, but that is not our humanity. We are but mortal beings allowed only a century in this infinite universe. If that, the universe expands outwards towards that limitless horizon, carrying on for as long as God wills it, and we are but a speck on a rock. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. It's easy to get stuck here when we gaze outward too long into that starry abyss of the universe. The narrator himself sometimes does this, circling right back around to the same ideas of loss and vanity and the passing away of the world. All these stars in the sky have shown for longer than our world has existed. The oceans themselves have seen the rise and fall of civilizations. And here comes the narrator up on the end of a life that has seemed far too short, and he knows too well that the end will come for him sooner rather than later. Any of us, if we live long enough, will become well acquainted with death and loss. Some of us get well too acquainted with it at a young age. I went to my first funeral when I was nine years old. I lost my mom when I was 22. All of my grandparents were gone by 28. For 13 straight years from my early 20s to my mid 30s, someone in my life died every single year. It was a time to mourn. And it wasn't limited to the very literal deaths that surrounded me, but some heavy metaphorical ones as well. I was told by a preacher from a pulpit much like this that a gay man could never preach in his church. 
I was fired from a different ministry because it was easier for them to see me as depressed and straight than happy and gay. It was a time to lose. And when I stood up for myself after I prayed and fasted and did everything they asked of me, when I realized that God still saw me as worthy of love, and I named that, it was then that my community fell away. People who called themselves my friends disappeared. My job was gone, evaporated, and the possibility of more ministry was as distant as the moon. It was a time to break apart. It all seemed so inescapable. Why must all things break? No doubt many of you have similar stories. People you've lost, or things denied you, or opportunities withheld due to bigotry disguised as virtue. Maybe you hear in these words some echoes of your own experience. Very few of us have gotten this far entirely unscathed, and we are unlikely to get through these next 40 years without more sorrow. The world is hard, and sometimes it seems like all we do is indeed vanity. What are we chasing? What can we change? And yet, in here is also the hope of the good news that is for all people. That all of these things that we are afraid of, that hurt us, that brought us to tears or empty rage, they are as vaporous and vain as we are. They too will pass away. They have their time and their season, and then they are gone. Smoke on the wind. Vanity of vanities, for this too is vanity. Thanks be to God. Even death itself will have its time. Is that not the guarantee of this passage, that death, that death itself only exists for a while? That we will mourn, yes, but even those tears will be wiped away. This is the great secret of resurrection, I think, and that the things that once lay dead in the ground are now brought up in life, breathed back into them. Maybe we think now our dreams are de were dead, impossible, as far off as the moon. Maybe we think ourselves fools. For who could believe that this time of suffering will also come to an end? Sometimes it feels vain to believe in hope. After years of fighting to be seen, of praying and fasting and hoping and crying and striving against the wind, here I stand in this pulpit on this day with this sermon holding on to every last joy I have worked for. But I don't hold these joys in an iron grip. I can't. You cannot hold the wind. But you can open up your hand and let the breeze pass through it, feeling it on your skin for however long it will last. Or let the joy sit in your palm like a flower, its petals like silk to your touch, colorful and beautiful and fragile and temporary. Hold it gently and marvel, for this too is vanity. As many of you know, I got married 
right here in this church almost a year ago. 351 days ago, in fact. As we got closer to that day, pretty much everyone I knew who'd ever had a wedding told me how fast the ceremony and the day would go. Here and gone, poof, smoke on the wind. It would be a blur at best. Months and months of work, and it would be over in a flash, with only our memories and the photographs as evidence that it ever happened. For much of that day, I would agree. It did move by much too fast. But there are these crystal clear moments in my memory. When I'm getting ready back in the quiet room and I hear him laugh through the wall. Our first look when I stepped out the door onto that breezeway and there he is looking away into the corner, looking very good in his suit, my husband-to-be. When Steph's first notes reached me of the song we walked down the aisle to. When I blubbered my way through the first line of my vows, when he was more successful in holding back his tears. Communion with the people I love most in this world. Moment on moment on moment, joy on joy on joy, all in one day. So many people around us who love us and each other. All this impossible, all this resurrection, all this hope. Vanity of vanities, this too is vanity. A single day, a rush of moments, a time for joy and a time to laugh, a time to dance and a time to love, a time truly to live no death in sight, for one blessed, eternal, brief moment, I held joy like the wind in my hand. It brushed by, never to be felt quite that way again. But it was there, it was real, it was mine, it was ours. What then if this too is vanity? Listen here to the words again from our old man narrator, shouting at us in the vain hope that we will understand as he does. He might still fear that he has wasted his life, but he has a piece of advice for all of those who follow, for those who would stand on his lawn and listen. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of their toil. So maybe, just maybe, the best news of all is that this joy is not confined to one moment or one day. This joy, this vanity, has appeared in so many moments, even during those hard days. A little bit of hope creeping in at the edges. In a kind word, 
in a hug, in a gift, in a word of affirmation, in the presence of our beloveds, in my husband, in my friends, in my church, in my family, bigger now than it has ever been. All this will pass as it must do. But if I have learned anything, is that hope will come my way again. The promise of resurrection is that nothing stays dead forever. Take your joy where you can find it, church, in days or hours or moments. Hold it gently and marvel. You who will work and toil and put in the effort to get through these hard times, the rest is your reward. And you who tried and wept and couldn't do enough, you are enough. You are doing enough. You too deserve your joy. There is nothing better for people than to be happy and enjoy themselves for as long as they live. No distinction is made here for those who do more and those who do less. Joy is for all people regardless. As we speed into our 10th year together, we look forward to all that might still be in the days before us, wondering what times and seasons are ahead. Perhaps we will etch out our dreams, seeking out a little more joy or a little more hope from our lives, looking for the very best versions of ourselves, dreaming of the very best version of this world that God still loves. You made it this far, church, with God at your back and endless hope in front of you. Forty years is a long time, and we will be here for as long as God wills it, every Sunday of the world. Eat, drink, and be merry, for everything shall one day pass. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. A puff of smoke, the wind past your hand, a flower in your palm. Such it has always been, and such it ever shall be. Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.